One of the fun kind of bonuses of, of um, being a pastor is um, I get to experience firsthand the human nature to project meaning onto things. We all do this. We, we see things and we project meaning onto it. And this morning, inadvertently, I stumbled into an opportunity to experience firsthand the way that you all, some of you, not all of you, but a few of you project meaning onto things. Um, and it, it happens most often for me through the things that I wear. You all have a tendency sometimes to comment on colors or ties or things that I put on. But this morning, I was noticing that as I was walking, especially at the first service, I was getting growled at by a few people. I mean, literally, they were clenching their teeth in hostility, and I was very confused by that. I thought, what is going on? And then I noticed that it was a pattern. Um, It was all the Ohio people that were doing it to me. (laughs) It was the Buckeyes that were doing it to me, and I couldn't figure out why. How many of you are Buckeye fans in this? All right. Why would you be growling at me? Because I'm wearing Michigan colors, apparently, today. Now, don't applaud. I'm not intentionally wearing Michigan colors. But it was funny. I'm not, and, and, you, and I know you guys, oh, yeah, he has fun. He's I'm not really exaggerating that much. There were a few people who I love dearly who growled at me this morning because of this. And so Tony actually picked this out, so uh, you can kind of blame her. Uh, right under the bus, didn't I? So... Uh, Last week, I tell you, in all seriousness, this is what happened last week. We picked out two shirt-tie combos to, to kind of decide what I was going to wear for Easter. If you were here last week, I wore kind of the purpley light shirt. And then it was this one, and everybody in the family voted on what I should wear. And they all voted on the purple shirt last week, but this was already ironed, so it was stayed clean, <laughs> so I was wearing it today. So um, anyway, all right, let's, let's turn our attention to, uh, to this morning. Uh, in, our, in our scripture lesson, if you were here with us for Easter last week, you know that, that I started what is going to be just a four-week series called I Am. And we're going to look at four of the seven I Am sayings of Jesus. Last week is I Am the Resurrection and the Life. And we're going to look at the light of the world and the good shepherd. Those will be actually going to be the good shepherd and then the light of the world the next two weeks. But this morning is Jesus, his proclamation, his declaration that, that I am the bread of life. And so that's where we're going to pick up. It's the, the story is found. All of these um, I Am sayings are found in the Gospel of John. This morning we're in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. And we pick up the story at verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? 
Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I have given for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while he was teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. Brothers and sisters, we pray here God's blessing now in the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, we, we come to be fed. We come to be fed now on the bread that is Jesus, the bread of life, to, to be strengthened by your Holy Spirit, to be challenged by your word, to be called and empowered to greater faith and obedience. Lord, may these moments of worship move us forward in faith and in service of Christ our Lord. We pray it in his holy name. Amen. There's a, a piece of... Jewish humor, a story, if you will, that basically goes like this. There was a man who came in one day to a, to a restaurant to have lunch, and he ordered the soup. So they brought him his soup, and with the soup came a couple pieces of bread, and he ate the bread, and he ate the soup, and as he was leaving, the manager got his attention, and he, and he simply asked him the question that managers very often do at restaurants, how was your meal? And the man looked at him and said, it was very good, but but the next time, could I have a little bit more bread? Two slices just isn't enough. So the man said, okay. And so, as it would happen, the man came back the next day for lunch. And so he ordered the soup, and the manager pulled the waitress aside and said, today give him four pieces of bread. So he gave him four pieces of bread. He ate the soup, he ate the bread, and when he was done, the manager again asked him, how was your meal? And again he said it was good, but, but could I get a little bit more bread? All right. Next day, same pattern, repeats himself. He comes in for lunch, he orders the bread. The manager this time gives him eight slices of bread. He eats the soup, he eats all the bread. Manager asks him, how was your meal? Well, again, he says, it was, it was good, but maybe could I just get a little bit more bread? Next day he comes in. Now the manager's starting to get a little obsessed with this. And uh, he says to the waitress, when he orders a soup, bring him the whole loaf, 16 slices of bread. And so she does. He eats the bread, he eats the soup. Same thing happens. How was your meal? It was good. But could I get a little bit more bread? By now, it's just plaguing the manager. He's like on a mission to satisfy this customer. So he, that night, he goes to the bakery, and he orders a six-foot loaf of bread. 
And the next day, the man comes in and he orders the soup and he pulls the waitress aside and they cut that piece of bread in half and they butter both pieces and they put those two halves of bread on the counter right in front of him with the soup. And the manager thinks, surely this will satisfy him. And so he eats the soup, the man does, and he eats all the bread, both halves of that six-foot loaf. The manager looks at him smugly and he says, sir, how is your meal? And he looked at him and said, as always, the soup was excellent, but I see you're back to only giving two pieces of bread. (laughs) Bread that can make or break the meal. Bread that is a a staple of our diet. It is a staple of our... um, of life in so many ways, but, but yet it has lost some of its, I don't want to say importance, but, but, but our consciousness of its importance. As we, we approach this, this teaching of Jesus, we have to sometimes step out of our realities to fully grasp the significance and the power of what Jesus is saying. And, and I mean that because we take bread for granted. We are, we're, blessed uh, and fortunate, maybe, is, is the word, to live in a, in a world, in, in a society, in a culture where really bread's at our disposal. disposal. Uh, I was reading something this week that, that basically said, for most people, if you live in the United States, you know, in this, this political climate where we hear so much about the 1% and the 99% and, and this kind of division that, that sometimes is created between us, that the article said if you live in the United States, you need to own you're already part of the 1%. You know, you are the 1% because of the, 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 the things that are at our disposal. Even if you're on the low end of our cultural spectrum, um, economically, you're still in that 1%. And, and, and we see bread and, you know, we, we go to restaurants and, and a bowl or a um, you know, plate of bread is put in front of us, and many of us pick our favorite restaurants by the kind of bread that we like. And we'll go to the grocery store. You'll go to, many of you will go to Publix today, because I know, because we'll probably run in for lunch, and I'll see half of you. And uh, you, know, you walk down whatever that bread aisle is there in the middle of the store, and there's just shelves and shelves of bread. We don't even think about it. All kinds of bread, all kinds of grains, all kinds of shapes and sizes. We, we don't even think really about the fact that the packaging of the bread probably costs more than the wheat that's in it because it's, it's so plentiful. And so it's not on our conscious, even though we know it's important and central, we, we don't think about it. We don't hear that word of Jesus that I'm the bread of life, I think with the same punch that would be heard by somebody who doesn't know what it's like to, to have enough bread to eat or doesn't know what it's like to wonder day to day whether there'll be something on the plate. And that would have been the reality for many of those who heard Jesus' words. Uh, the, these were not always. There may have been those in the upper ends of society in the crowd when Jesus was teaching, but we know that there were many who, who faced daily struggles for enough food. And Jesus says something that is very, very impactful for them. I'm the bread of life. They knew personally the centrality and the importance of a loaf of bread, the difference it could make. And certainly to a Jewish audience, which Jesus is teaching, they would have understood the centrality of bread in the story of their faith, in the story of their people. How many times in the scriptures that bread has a significant impact on the experience of of God's chosen people? Most powerfully, we see that in the story of the Exodus. 
We remember that night of the Passover when the people were instructed to make, the, the, the Hebrew children were instructed to make bread that was unleavened so they could be ready to go as they were being delivered out of their slavery, out of their bondage in Egypt. But do you remember what it was that drove the people of God, the, the Hebrew children? Do you know what drove them to Egypt to begin with 400 years earlier? It was a shortage of bread. There's a shortage of, of essential ingredients of life. There was a famine, and there was not enough to go around. And if you remember the story of Joseph, he was already there, and that's what brought his family into Egypt. And over the course of 400 years, they went from being a free people to being an enslaved people. But it was bread that was part of the, the driver of the story. And then they have that Passover meal, but then if you can carry that story out, you remember that they were in the wilderness, they were wandering, they were grumbling, they were not trusting in God, they were wondering if they'd have enough to eat. They were saying they were going to starve, so God provided for them. And every morning, except on the Sabbath, they would go out and they would gather the ingredients for the food that they needed, the sustenance that they needed of that day. And that gift of God was called manna. We know it as bread of heaven. It was the bread of heaven that God provided. So they understood the centrality of the significance of bread. And they believed that their Messiah would come. And their Messiah would be one who would do even greater things than Moses would. And what's a greater thing than Moses could do but to provide daily for the needs of your people? Provide daily for the bread and, and sustain daily. And that's what they're looking for. And then all of a sudden, in John chapter 6, right before this story, Jesus does something miraculous. 5,000 people are on a hillside. He's teaching. They're, they're soaking up his presence and his words and his teachings, and they don't want to leave, but they're hungry. And so Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, and he feeds the multitude. And if you don't think they immediately connected that to Moses, you, you're not putting the pieces together. I think, wow, Jesus did this. And we expect the one who's coming to do even greater things than Moses. So they started to see Jesus as the one who would provide their bread, their daily sustenance. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said in the, the prayer that we pray every week? The prayer, when they, remember when he was out teaching and they said, Lord, teach us to pray? And he gives them the Lord's prayer. And what's that prayer? Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us. And so they're looking at Jesus as the provider. He's the one that's going to meet our needs. And here's the reality. They were completely right. They were right to look to Jesus as the one who would meet their needs. And in the very same time, they were 100% wrong. They were right and they were wrong because they were looking at him to meet their needs. They just had the needs wrong. They just weren't going deep enough. They were surface level when Jesus was offering them so much more. So they're coming to Jesus, and they're basically saying, Jesus, do it again. Do it again. They're looking for the miracle. And Jesus is inviting them, rather, to the relationship. And so into this, he says, you're looking for the one who will provide you bread. Well, I will provide that bread, but I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. What he's saying is I've come to meet a need that is deeper than what you're looking for, that is more significant than your, than your expectations. I am the bread of life. It is my body. It is my blood. In me, you have life. And he uses language that connects us to the communion meal, which we'll share in a few minutes. My body, my, my, my flesh, and my blood. That when you eat and drink, when you partake of it, of me, you have life. 
I am the bread of heaven. He's offering them so much more than they're even looking for. And for so many of them, they just don't get it because they're just not willing to go deep. The question for us is, are we willing to look a little deeper? Are we willing to look a little deeper at the truth of what Jesus is speaking, at what Jesus is really offering? It's not hard to figure out. This is not a sermon in which I'm going to expound upon the Scripture in a way that you're going to walk out of here going, wow, I've never thought of that before. Because it is really, dare I say, obvious. It's not a hard lesson to grasp. It's a hard lesson to to, um, live into. But it's not a hard lesson to grasp. What, What is Jesus saying? Is I'm offering you something that is deeper than the physical. See, what it is, they're looking for something that can sustain life. Jesus is offering something that can fulfill life, that can shape life, that can make it what God intended it to be. See, bread is a commodity. It's a resource. It's, like, it's a material good. It's necessary. It's important. Don't misunderstand me. But it's, it's in many ways, it's, it's, we, could, we could use the language of money or, or any kind of material well-being or, or need to, to shape our understanding of what Jesus is saying. And what he's saying is, you know, you can have that thing that you think you need that you don't have nearly enough. You can have real estate but it doesn't mean you have meaningful relationships. You can have three carats of diamond, but it doesn't mean you have character. You can have gold, but not gladness. Silver, but not satisfaction. Hotels, but not hospitality and hope. I mean, what he's saying is that what I want you to have is so much more than what it is you're looking for. You're looking for the next Moses, but I've come to offer you something that is even greater than what Moses offered. The deliverance is more significant than just the satisfaction of your daily needs. I am the bread of life. And he's inviting them into a relationship, into a personal and a deep connection with him. And he uses bread as that metaphor to drive that point home. He says, in fact, it's a message he makes over and over again when he talks about not storing up your treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, but in heaven where your heart is, where your, where, you know, um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's inviting us to something deeper. But what is the implication? What does that mean for us? Well, I think bread is a wonderful image for us to hold on to because bread is necessary. It provides nourishment. And that's what Jesus does. He nourishes us. He strengthens us. He shapes us in that relationship. But here's one of the keys of bread. You need it every day. You need it every day. I don't believe any one of you are going to wake up tomorrow, get ready for work or school or whatever it is you're doing, you're going to think to, myself, to yourself, well, it is breakfast time, but, you know, I ate breakfast yesterday, so I don't know if I need breakfast today. I don't think any of you are going to wake up on Tuesday or, or take your lunch break on Tuesday and go, well, you know what, I ate on Sunday, so I'll be good until next Sunday. You know, I mean, it's obvious. You know you need to feed daily to strengthen your body. Jesus says, I'm the bread. And I think part of that implication is it's an invitation into a relationship that we feed on daily, that we feed on regularly. See, 
too often what we do is, is we segregate our time with God to, to an hour on Sunday. And that's a good place to start, but, but it's not enough. Jesus invites us into an ongoing, into a daily relationship. I'm the bread of life. Feed upon me. Be nourished by me. Be strengthened by me. Be intentional about that. And when you wake up tomorrow, I don't think anybody's going to deliver to you breakfast in bed. Maybe you will get that. But most of the time, you have to have some action. You have to take some ownership in your meal. And some of you, I see, I see some, God, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, it'd be a good idea for me too. She's like, no, no, you're not getting that. You have, to, you have to be intentional about it. Jesus invites us to a relationship of intentionality, to invite him in, to, to be a part of, of being nourished by his Holy Spirit through worship, but also through your prayer life, through your intentional times to connect with God and to hear from God, not just to speak, but to hear. And through scripture reading and being shaped by the stories of the faith and by the men and women who have come before us and by the God's word which is inspired and given to us to feed and nourish us by your relationships with others within the church, within the body of Christ, believers who can strengthen and walk together with one another in this journey of life because we all need that. How are you being nourished? How are you intentionally creating and availing yourself of the opportunities God gives you to be nourished? I am the bread of life. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will live. He says over and over, those see, they just, it just wasn't enough. Looking for a temporary satisfaction doesn't bring life. It sustains life, but it doesn't give it. Jesus says, I give life. Everybody who ate manna in the desert, they got hungry the next day, and you know what? They all died. But I give you something far greater. I am the bread of life. The, the challenge, I mean, very, very simple challenge of the scripture is, is a reflective question. How's your diet? How's your diet? How are you in eating and receiving and feeding on God's presence daily? How are you in being open to God's presence and his voice daily? That's what Jesus is offering. He's offering himself something far more significant. Too often, we're just so surface level. And Jesus invites us to so much more, so much power, so much presence, so much hope, so much strength. But, but we have a role in that. We don't create it, but we receive it. We open our hearts to it. So as we prepare for communion, as we prepare to come to the, to the holy table to receive this meal, ask yourself this. Other than this hour that we worship together, are you feeding on the bread of life? Are you being fed by God and by his presence and by his Holy Spirit? Or are you content to, to kind of have a meal once a week? Get a little taste once a week. This is a great place to be. We're called to be here, but this isn't all of it. This is like going to the buffet table and just having a little taste. There is so much more God invites us to. I'm the bread of life. Moses fed you temporarily. I feed eternally. Receive it. Live into it. Be nourished by it. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we have been given such a gift in Christ. Such an invitation to a relationship, not to... To, to seek miracles, 
but to seek your presence. Not to seek the things that are temporary, but to, to feed on that which is eternal. That's the invitation that Jesus gives to us. It's the life that he poured out for us. Help us to receive that wherever we are. To, to go deeper, to be fed more abundantly in Jesus and by Jesus. We pray that would be the truth of our lives. And we thank you for the gift that you give. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.